probably one who did rather well for herself. Her body trembled. She kept her eyes lowered, but the emperor noticed that they held a feverish glow, hinting at an excitement and zeal rare for her class. You claim the powers of magic? the emperor asked. He wanted to conclude this audience as quickly as possible. Francis was usually meticulous. Of the approximately 8,000 soldiers defending Constantinople now, only a small number came from the standing army, and about 2,000 were Genoese mercenaries. Francis had been responsible for recruiting the rest, a few at a time, from the city's inhabitants. Though the emperor wasn't particularly interested in his latest idea, the capable minister's standing demanded that he at least be given a chance. Yes, I can kill the sultan. Helena's quiet voice quivered like silk strands in a breeze. Five days earlier, standing in front of the palace, Helena had demanded to see the emperor. When guards tried to push her away, she presented a small package that stunned the guards. They weren't sure what she was showing them, but they knew it was not something she should have possessed. Instead of being brought to the emperor, she had been held and interrogated about how she had acquired the item. Her confession had been confirmed, and she was then brought to Francis. Francis now took out the small bundle, unwrapped the flax cloth, and placed the contents on the emperor's desk. The emperor's gaze was as stupefied as those of the soldiers five days ago. But unlike them, he knew immediately what he was looking at. More than nine centuries earlier, during the reign of Justinian the Great, master craftsmen had cast two chalices out of pure gold, studded with gems, and glowing with a beauty that seized the soul. The two chalices were identical, save for the arrangement and shapes of the gems. One of the two was kept by successive Byzantine emperors, and the other one had been sealed along with other treasures into a secret chamber in the foundation of Hagia Sophia in 537 CE, when the great church was rebuilt. The glow of the chalice in the great palace that the emperor was familiar with had dulled with the passage of time, but the one in front of him now looked so bright it could have been cast only yesterday. No one had believed Helena's confession at first, thinking that she had probably stolen the chalice from one of her rich patrons. Although many knew of the secret chamber under the great church, few knew its exact location. Moreover, the secret chamber was nestled among the giant stones deep in the foundation, and there were no doors or tunnels leading to it. It should have been impossible to enter the chamber without a massive engineering effort. Four days ago, however, the emperor had ordered the precious artifacts of the city collected in case of Constantinople's fall. It was really a desperate measure, as he understood very well that the Turks had cut off all routes leading to the city, and there would be nowhere for him to escape with the treasures. It had taken thirty laborers working non-stop for three days to enter the secret chamber, whose walls were formed from stones as massive as those in the Great Pyramid of Cheops.
In the middle of the chamber was a massive stone sarcophagus, sealed shut with twelve thick crisscrossing iron hoops. It took most of another day to saw through the iron hoops before five laborers, under the gaze of many guards, finally managed to lift the cover off the sarcophagus. The onlookers were amazed, not by the treasures and sacred objects that had been hidden for almost a thousand years, but by the bunch of grapes placed on top, still fresh. Helena had claimed to have left a bunch of grapes in the sarcophagus five days ago, and as she had declared, half of the grapes had been eaten, with only seven left on the stem. The workers compared the treasures they recovered against the listing found on the inside of the cover of the stone sarcophagus. Everything was accounted for. Except-